Welcome to another episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast with your hosts, David and Nick. This week, we meet some swingers from Marvel, travel the world with Batman and the Joker, mourn a death before it happens, prepare for more Frank Miller tales of the Dark Knight, and more. Uh, so I, I showed Debbie Gladiator for the first time. She had never Gladiator. seen Gladiator. The movie? Yes. With. That guy, Russell Crowe. Yeah, with, with that guy. With that guy. Uh, yeah, but she never... Man. Well, she liked it, but what like really stuck out to me, and I, I haven't seen the movie since uh, like pre-2010, um, was how much Hans Zimmer borrowed from his own score for Pirates of the Caribbean. Gladiator came first, right? Yeah, Gladiator came out in 2001. Just saying he took his music sheets from 2000, Gladiator and kind of repurposed them for I mean, arts. I mean, like, there's, like, definite, like, themes, like, like the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, like that stuff. Is, like, oh, yeah. All throughout, like, Gladiator. It was weird. I mean... Good artists, good artists borrow, great artists steal from themselves. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're, like, the top of the hierarchy, who are you going to steal from? I mean, he was probably like, oh, I got hired for this piece of crap Disney ride. Uh, <laughs> here's, here's, you know, because this is what Hans Zimmer sounds like. He's definitely not super German. Yeah. He's just like, uh, here's some music, yeah, whatever. Here's what, Thanks for the paycheck. And then they're like, great, we want you to do eight more movies worth of music. No. Like, oh, no. Yeah, funny story about those Pirates films. Uh, I was never really a fan. Really? Yeah, I mean, You're like... not really alone in that. Like... Wait, are you being sarcastic? No, no. People, I mean... There are people who really like them. Yeah, people also... There are also a certain people group of people that really like the Transformer movies. Okay. Your I, point, David? Your I, point? I, 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 wow, I like how you're acting like... First of all, I'm here to defend heavily... Like, I'm super pro Pirates of the Caribbean. Get off your soapbox, David. I'm not on a soapbox. I'm on a chair. Well, get off your high horse chair. It, the point is is that the it's not that they even at least the first three. There's four out currently with a fifth one on the way, right? Uh, it's, like, it's like children. It's like uh, four pirate children. Um, uh, yeah, I think they're working on four. a fifth one. Um, I mean, I also like I have not probably watched them since I first saw them. I, I may have watched like one or two of them a, a couple extra times for whatever reason because I secretly love them. Right. Um, uh, but yeah, just like initially watching, I was like, I get why this is fun, and maybe I just wasn't in the right mood for it. But I just didn't get invested. Also, and this is weird, but like when I was in high school. Orlando Bloom and Johnny Depp were like my nemesis because they were the guys that like girls were putting like yeah, pictures I, of I, in their locker. Like here's what I hate to tell you, uh they they don't they don't didn't care nor do they care currently. Who? Uh Johnny Depp or Orlando Bloom. No, I get that it's kind of like, it was like a one-sided <laughs> Definitely nemes, a one-sided nemes, thing. Nemesis. Whatever. The point is that like 
the guys and I are on really good terms now. Like, I do think that they're both really, including Orlando Bloom, like really good actors. Um, but I think at the time I just had a lot of resentment towards them. And I realized like this shit don't matter, uh, moved on. And I probably could go back and maybe find some redeeming qualities in the movie. I will say that I always liked Barbosa. Uh, who's the actor that plays Barbosa? Jeffrey Rush. Yeah. I've always liked Jeffrey Rush. So props there. Uh, I would probably say the first. It would, actually, yeah, it goes in order. Uh, I like the first one better than the second, better than the third. Yeah, I mean the first one. The first one is kind of an undeniably fun movie. Yeah, you know, it it really is just like a good time. And then they just get like super bananas. The second yeah. and the third ones are just like insane. And I enjoy really convoluted, crazy stories. So I just had fun with it, like for what it was. I understand totally not for everyone when you start getting into like you know the uh the like the the sea witch woman who is also like the embodiment of the sea and like why you know jack is trapped in his own mind and they somehow tr- take the black pearl into this weird purgatory to find him and it it just goes completely crazy uh but i you know i like when movies dive into that stuff um so i'm looking just right now at the cast for uh pirates of the caribbean Dead Men Tell No Tales, which is That's number the, five. That's going to be the new one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, of course, have Johnny Depp. Uh, you also have Javier Bardem oh. as Captain Salazar, uh, who is a ghost pirate trapped in the Devil's Triangle. Interesting. Yes. Uh, Jeffrey Rush you have in there. You have a uh, new hot young actor. New hot young actress. Actually, she's really familiar. What do I know? Her You're saying Jeffrey Rush is a hot new young actor? Yeah, exactly. Um, well, I guess she was in Maze Runner, so I probably saw her in the preview. She the girl in Maze Runner? Yes. There was, like, I'm pretty sure there's one girl in Maze Runner. Uh, and then you have Orlando Bloom. I heard he's back. Is Kira Knightley back? She is not on the uh, cast list. It seems like, I mean, because here's the plot synopsis. Captain Jack Sparrow is pursued by an old men enemy, Captain Salazar, who, along with his crew of ghost pirates, has escaped from the Devil's Triangle and is determined to kill every pirate at sea. Jack uh. seeks the Trident of Poseidon, which grants its possessor total control over the seas to use against Salazar. Which it would make sense that they could bring Orlando Bloom back for that. I mean, as much as that can make sense. Because he took over Davy Jones' role. Yes. He is, well, he, he's forever bound to that ship because he stabbed Davy Jones's heart with a knife. Yeah. What I love and, is, yeah, continue. Yeah, no, no, no. And that's actually one thing I did like in the third movie. I like that that was really kind of a, for, for a, especially for, it's a Disney property, right? Mm-hmm. For for a Disney property, like, that's a pretty dark and sad ending. Yeah. I Separating mean, like that so tragically, you know? And I mean, he's yeah. got 10 years to, like... Every 10 years he can set foot on land. Yeah, you know, that's just, like, an interesting curve. He's basically, like, Iron Fist. And only the way in which they, technically, if Iron Fist was trapped in Kunlun, he could only come and stand on land or... I'm actually he going to, to stop while I'm ahead to, because, like, I he, think those that know know what I'm trying to get at. And he, those like, that he, has don't, to, he has to do, like, the whole floor is lava thing all the time. He has to jump from chair to chair and table to yeah, table. Yeah. He can only touch land once every 10 years. Yep. Um, um, but, yeah, so, yeah, that, that actually is one plot point from the last movie that, or the third movie. I guess a lot of people don't count the fourth one. I never even bothered to watch yeah, it. Yeah, no, I don't care enough to see it. 
Um, what I love is that we have, for the past few weeks, opened every show with a discussion into a different franchise that has nothing to do with comics. Eh. Hey, I didn't say it wasn't fun. Um. Yeah, well, you know, pirates. Maybe someday they'll make. Uh, they make pirate comics. They've never done that before. Comic, I remember there was this wizard article. Do we all remember wizard? You remember wizard, right? Well, I know wizard, wizard magazine. Well, yeah, but wizards of the coast is still around. A uh, different thing. Aren't they? On, weren't they owned by the same? Oh, maybe they were. I don't. I don't remember. Anyway, man. continue. Wizard. There was magazine, Wizard yes. Magazine. Yes, yes. And I remember they did an article once about like it was like five. Uh, non-comic book properties that would do really well in comics. Pirates, I don't believe, was on the list. I may not even been around at the time this article was made. Uh, Harry Potter was. I, already, I know we already had our Harry Potter discussion like last week or two weeks ago. I think like two weeks ago. I just think it's fun like to conceptualize certain like non-comic properties and like how would they fare in I remember I came across the comic book adaptation for Game of Thrones. And I don't know how far that ever got. Um, I think it's ongoing. Is it? Because yeah. I was not a big fan of what I saw. And I didn't read it. I, I just was kind of flipping through it. But I saw that um, Catelyn Stark was drawn as like this really attractive, very like buxom woman. Of which. Course. Uh, she's supposed to be like older on the like very edge of no longer being able to bear children and when the first book rolls around like her casting in the show was like spot on well Dave you know what women tend to look like after they can no longer bear children just like homely I'm just not, okay. you, know, okay. you know what I'm saying just like I, I, okay, so I said, you look at them you look at a I, bag of potatoes so I spoke, and you think I spoke incorrectly. Eat a bag of potatoes I spoke incorrectly well usually they're not they're not quite you know they're they're I'm just saying gravity has usually taken some toll at that point. But also, like, oh, she God. was also being oh, drawn goodness. as, like, a 20-year-old, not, like, a almost 50 or, like, older woman. Okay? That's yeah, also what I'm I trying mean, to say. Don't get me wrong. So I spoke They're drawing with total comic book lenses. Uh, and another thing with, like, I don't, I don't even know what company it was that was making those Game of Thrones comics, but a lot of times, like, these guys just don't have access to high-caliber artists. That right. it's just like they're just trying to basically get the bottom line out, not to like, insult anyone. Um, so it's not like they're getting someone like Jerome Pena or Patrick Gleason or Frank Quietly or you know someone that you know uh, has the clout and the wherewithal to like really invest that amount of consideration that they would take into say uh, it was Catherine, right? Catalin. Uh, Catalin, you know Catalin's, um, you know like, actual described physical appearance into the book where it's just like oh this is like a medieval fantasy right and like the show totally has like all this like boobs and butts and like blood and glore gore so i mean like let's just make everyone hot simple as pie yeah it was uh so it, it no longer is running uh it ran from 2011 to 2014 24 issues only in that time so to just cover the first book? I guess. I think so. Are you um, sure that that just that could just be for that book? They may have launched a new series following the next one. You know, it's really hard to tell. Wikipedia is failing me right now. <sighs> That's I don't, I don't okay. Care in the meantime, while we let uh, Wikipedia try and regain some dignity, we're going to start Seriously. talking about some comics on the poll list. Wait, wait for it. Wait for it. Wait, wait for it. Wait to the back. 
to the Batmobile. Let's go. All right, so let's let's talk about some stuff that came out this week. Uh, because it's Wednesday, and when Wednesday rolls around, it's time to talk about comic books. New comic. Well, it's, it's you know, Wednesday when we are recording this. Uh, but, you know, we like to think that our stories are timeless, et cetera, mm, et cetera. True. I'm David. True, that's true. Nick. Heck yeah, comics podcast. I'm Nick. That's David. And all right, where do you, where do you want to start this week? With comics. Tell me about Batman Europa. So Batman Europa is a book that we have talked about on this show a little bit. Uh, have we? A little bit. We talked about when it was back in you know solicitations and stuff, and they were like, "Hey guys, it's finally going to happen." Oh uh, uh, yeah, okay, I remember that. You now. know, after over a decade. It's the book reminds me of this mutant character named Forget Me Not who you acknowledge exists when they're right in front of you, but the second they step out of your peripheral vision, you forget any interaction you've ever had with them. Oh, man, there's a, a there's like some characters in Doctor Who, like a race of aliens that are the same way. Interesting. I can't remember what they're called. I know there's people who love Doctor Who who are probably listening and like yelling at me right now. And yeah. I'm not going to look it up just to drive you people insane. So go ahead and email us. I'd actually really like to hear. Um, anyway... So Batman Europa. Europa. The story has kind of been said of what it is, you know, for for a long time. It is Batman. Well, refresh me because I really don't remember. I know it's like a team up between Batman and the Joker, which in and of itself sort sounds of, impossible. Sort of. It, or that's kind of what's been set up. Basically, Batman, it starts off and he's like not feeling so hot as he's off fighting crime. And he goes back to the Bat Cave, and someone has hacked the Bat Computer, and uh, it just has the word Colossus, and it's like you have this. There's this virus called Colossus. You have one week, and it turns out it's in his system, and it's slowly breaking him down, making him weaker. And he, uh, how does he find out that it is in Berlin? Um, oh yeah, they kind of figure out where, like the you know where the virus originally came from. And it's in Berlin, and so he travels to Berlin, and while he's looking around, beating people up, he comes across that the Joker is in town, and eventually finds out where the Joker is. And the Joker has found, you know, he has this young woman who he's threatening to torture, and you don't know why until Batman gets there, and it's like, wait, Joker, you are also infected with this virus. <gasps> And we are both going to die. <gasps> and oh, I only have some information. The Joker has information I don't have. <gasps> which means in order to solve this mystery, we have to team up together. <sighs> and that is what issue number one is all about. Well, thanks for the thorough read. Read. But I, mean, I don't know. You want me okay. to go page by page and describe to you what happens? Not really, but I get the gist now. So, Batman's dying. Joker's also dying. They are infected world, with the same uh, thing. Globe trotting adventure to well, rid it's the not. World it's not even just globe trotting. It seems like it's pretty much centralized in Europe. Surprisingly, so he's in Berlin. Next uh, issue, they're going to Prague. Is what has been set up, and it's only four issues. Right? It's very short. Mm. Oh yeah, it is. Which it's is why four years. Right. Which is why, like you know, I read through this and it's like, oh, that was a really fine little setup issue for what we're doing. You're going like 
I mean, I guess I could. They, they could. They can wrap up the story in four issues. I just don't know how big and like bombastic it's supposed to be. You know, like, is this something that was worth a 10-year wait? It's not going to change anything permanently about the Batman mythos. Mm -hmm. Um, And it really probably would have fit in a little bit more with the Batman of 10 years ago. Though 10 years ago, we were dealing a lot with the death of Batman and Dick Grayson and all that. That was not 10 years ago. I think we've, we've been over this on the show. DC Comics. Let's say what's the okay. So okay. November. What Final Crisis? When did Final Crisis happen? Solicitations. What? When did Final Crisis happen? Not in two thousand five. All right, two thousand and eight. Okay, so this would have fit in better with ten years oh, ago. That was two thousand eight. Yeah. Hold on, I just pulled up. So Batman and the Monster Men number one was coming out in two thousand five. As far as the Batman series. The villains united want a piece of Gotham Black Mask. It's just a man delivered to them. Batman has his hands full defending the sea, but before he can neutralize Deathstroke and company, Red Hood is going to take matters into his own hand. So I so believe this at is, this point, Red Hood has revealed yeah, himself. It, it's just I after think. all the Red Hood goodness. Yeah. Judd Winnick is still so, writing the main Batman book. Batman Gotham Knights was still a series on number 71. Wow. Batman Legends of the Dark Knight was still a series. All right, all right. So this, this would have been... Originally, so this would have been originally post Hush, like Hush ended in two thousand and three. So this is kind of, I guess, Jim Lee's follow up to Hush. Um, oh yeah, Hush. Yeah, I remember that was a thing. So hush, hush. it's while people were still riding that that bandwagon and all Whoa. excited about it. All Star Superman number one. Oh, don't was even... solicited for. November 2005. Yeah, no, it gets weird when you start thinking about stuff like that. Oh my god, David. Do you realize how old we are? Yes, I'm well aware. My birthday's on Monday. Oh um, my gosh, Superman Batman number 24. Okay, stop it. Batman Europa is what we're here to talk about. Happy so, early birthday, by the way. Yeah, thanks. That, that Thanks. Um, so old. God. Almost as old as Batman Europa. Almost, Actually, almost as old Europa. as Batman Europa. Probably not as old as the people involved in Batman Europa. This is true. I think Brian Azzarello and uh, Jim Lee are a little bit older than me. A little bit. Just like just by a couple years, though. Just a hair's width. Anyway, was this book waiting 10 years for? I think if you were a really big fan of what was going on in Batman 10 years ago and you really liked Jim Lee and Brian Azzarello... I mean, I really like Brian Azzarello, so I can just say maybe on that front. There's stuff here for people to like, for people who are not a fan of the current, you know, Batman order, who are like, I liked things back in the old days, how they were. Well, Batman Europa is a book for you, for you to go back and relive those times. I think that the character has changed in a lot of ways for the better. The status quo has been shaken up a lot, and this is just kind of a return to form of stuff we've already seen. There's nothing here, like I said earlier, that is going to forever change our view of Batman, or so it seems right off the bat here, or of the Joker. It is mm-hmm. just you know, a little side tale that can fit in anywhere within the mythology. And I'll check it out because I'm a big Batman fan, and I really like the people that are involved. 
Um, but I don't expect to sit down at the end of this and say, like, this was the greatest Batman story I've ever read. Now in a couple years, it could be like, oh, you want, like, just a cool little independent Batman story. Like, mm-hmm. go check out Batman Europa. You know, you don't have to know everything that's going on. You just have to know there's the Batman, there's the Joker. That's who they are. So, Which, you know, I think... The com- I think that's good for it's good for DC. I think it's good for the comic industry. Yeah, I think yeah. a book that you know the next time a solo Batman film comes out, or even Batman v Superman, you know, anytime you have a book that's you know for someone that, that you're you're trying to get engaged in the comics, trying to get engaged into a certain character, you know, just so here, check out Batman Europa. Right. It's uh, basically done in one Batman tale. You really don't need to know anything else as long as you know who Batman is. Well, now here's the thing, though. Uh, with, with Batman v Superman, everybody's going to be surprised because that's not Bruce Wayne, Nick. Oh, that's, that's true. It's, it's, it's Deathstroke. It's, it's Deathstroke. God. Oh, that doesn't get old. Oh, no. No, man. I am... It does. Oh. But anyway, yeah. Batman Europa, it's a book. It came out. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Pregnant Spider-Woman? All right. So I'm not usually one to kiss and tell. Well. I am the father. No. Um, So Spider-Woman has relaunched with a new number one, just like. Just like every Marvel book is doing right now. Every Marvel book right now, uh, which is funny because I think it's one of uh, a few class of titles that I think have received number ones, uh, two number ones in the same year. So before that maybe overwhelms anyone, don't put too much stock in numbers, whether a book is on issue one or issue 506. I I think Howard the Duck was also one of the ones that did Howard the Duck, Spider-Gwen, at least these three books. Uh, I think Silk maybe counts as well. Uh, basically, any any solo series that came after Spider Verse mm-hmm. would count. Uh, Spider Man twenty ninety nine. Um, but anyway, uh, the first like four issues of Spider Woman sort of kind of count, sort of kind of don't. They were tying into Spider Verse. It had god awful Greg Land art and um, the blah blah blah. Milo and then basically, it was around I think issue number five or six that transitioned to uh, Javier Rodriguez. Uh, oh, Javier Bardem. Curious. Cool. And uh, of of course, there's the the change from the classic Spider Woman outfit to her new kind of biker look. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, as much as I enjoy the classic look, and I can see why the people on both fences, it's like that actually really for as far as like female costumes go, it's really not the worst offender. And yet, it does get trumped up a lot as being kind of like easy to overly. Ab- sensationalize objectify well when she's in it uh at the same time i think the biker look design is really cool it's something different and yeah uh, i'm going along with it yeah Uh, the only thing that i find weird is that it's not really an outfit that you'd imagine a pregnant woman wearing and in the in the comic itself she usually has like her jacket undone but she's wearing basically the full suit on the cover like in all her pregnant glory mm-hmm. and it just i imagine it to be very uncomfortable from what admittedly little i understand and know of pregnant people now nick why is she pregnant so listen like all marvel books right now in the post secret wars uh landscape even though secret wars has yet is also currently in its own post landscape um yes uh it's jumped eight months forward so we 
don't know why or how. Okay, I guess we know how she got pregnant. Well, it's the Marvel um, Universe. But we don't you... know why. We don't know what the circumstances were. And we don't know who the circumstances were with. Probably book... Dr. Doom. I bet as Dr. Doom reordered the universe, he was like, every woman is now pregnant with my child. <laughs> I almost wouldn't put it past him. Uh, right? Um, but uh, the book makes a, a big point uh, for that it's no one's business to know. So, like, just it's not like a mystery to Jessica, which would be just weird and uncomfortable in so many ways. Um, she knows who the father is. She's not telling for whatever reason. It's no one's business. There's actually a comical scene where she's apparently been thrown, or because it doesn't strike me that she organizes herself. But I think Captain Marvel, who's a close friend of hers, um, uh, hosted a. Uh, maternity leave party so she's like going on maternity leave from being a superhero okay um and so like the who's who's of the all new all different marvel universe is there and um uh, carol uh, as in captain marvel sets up uh tony stark to go ask her who the father is uh in which jessica right, cause, promptly cause that's who you want that's the you know he's the guy because he's probably not going to phrase it right um right it's not like I mean, I, who would be worse? Probably Spider-Man. Sp well, Spider-Man is actually seen talking to her a few times. Um, just, you know, kind of kind of egging her on. Uh, also, apparently, Tony Stark phrased it as he wants to know if she knew who the father was. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, that would probably not go over well. Classy. But I like there's a great one page. Uh, on the left side, you see Jess and uh, Spider-Man kind of talking for a bit. Um uh, to each other uh, as they kind of walk from like one top of this roof party down to like the other side of the roof mm -hmm. on the other side you have Iron Man and Captain Marvel talking uh, on the other side and then it leads into the next page it's actually a really well set up page it's, cool. it's like great comic storytelling 101 uh, and of course it's, it's kind of funny Miles Morales is there and he's just kind of like on a wall separate from everyone I'm mm -hmm. wondering if that's like a thing like, they're just kind of say, yeah, he's not, like, technically a part of this universe, but he is now. Right. Um, other than that, uh, one thing that I like is that a lot of the elements from the previous uh, series uh, has carried over. Um, she has helped reform a two-bit criminal named Porcupine into a formidable crime-fighting machine. Uh, so while she's kind of uh, sidelined by the pregnancy, uh, she's molded him to being her kind of her replacement so he's just like this schmuck in a like a porcupine costume taking on, <laughs> you know, I don't know, gargoyle or something. Awesome. Um, which is a lot of fun. And she's still teamed up with uh, Phil Urich, um, not of the Daredevil TV show variety, but uh, one in the same, so to speak. Um, and, and stuff happens. So this is basically her adventures and pregnancy. Uh, also because uh, Captain Marvel is now the head of the Alpha Flight program. Not the Canadian super team, the Alpha Flight program that's basically replaced SWORD as the intergalactic peacekeeping force for Earth. Um, she's given uh, Jess free reign for, like, I guess what amounts to, like, Alpha Flight government maternity care. Um, and then it get the complicated, the, the complicated gets kind of zany at the end where she ends up in what I guess is essentially the maternity ward uh, for Alpha Flight. Uh, I mean, just like wackadoodle aliens all over the place. Um, uh, lots of weird, uncomfortable-looking pregnant women, like one that kind of looks like the abomination, but pregnant. Ugh. Um, 
Uh, and then they get attacked by scrolls. That's kind of the first issue in a nutshell. It's fun. It's something where uh, this creative team clearly likes working together, and they just they click. Um, and I think I can't really say for sure if this captures Jessica's true character in all its essence, um, but it's certainly a character I like involved. And something that I hope carries over uh, into this volume that I really liked in the past one was that she was a superhero that was so used to like the world-ending threats. She was mostly an Avenger or like an agent of Shield, and the, most of the threats that she dealt with were like the Skrulls attacking, the Thanos attacking. Um, you know, just like end of the world every Tuesday. So when she made an executive decision to step down from the Avengers and just focus on quote unquote normal problems, aka like street crime, mm-hmm. for a while, she kept messing up because she kept tackling things yeah, with a yeah. hand view. I remember us talking about that. All right, I did bring that up. So I'm really hoping that carries over to this book. But so far, phenomenal artwork by Javier Rodriguez. Great writing from Dennis Hopeless, and I'm very interested to see where it goes and how this whole pregnancy plot. Uh, the pregnancy plot uh, <laughs> plays out. So, yeah, okay. that's fine. Interesting. 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 Well, to keep things going, uh, there's a, another book, another number one, which, for how much I dislike talking about number ones, I, I feel them. like, well, I feel like I personally bring up a lot of number ones. You also do, but um, you also like to go against everything you hold for, hold and stand for. Only partially sometimes true. But this one, I feel like everyone's talking about it. Why should we be any different? And that is Huck Number One by everyone's favorite, Mark Millar, with art by Raphael Albuquerque. Uh, now, for those who don't know how this book came about, and I, ugh, I hate saying this. So, Mark Millar, like most people, saw Man of Steel and saw Superman kill somebody and was quote-unquote traumatized by the event and decided to write Huck, which is Mark Millar's take on a true blue superhero, which is really interesting for a guy who really likes to write about people getting corrupted or doing just terrible, awful, nasty things and cussing a lot and like doing horrible acts of violence and, and whatnot. Um, but any, I guess that speaks to the mythos of Superman. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Huck is a simple book in a lot of ways. Uh, the story is very direct. There is in this small town a man named Huck who works at the gas station. He was an orphan. Nobody knows where he came from. Uh, but he you know, has superpowers. He has strength. He I don't know if, if he can fly. They don't really touch on that. Um he never gets tired. He, you know, is essentially a Superman analog. Uh, and the orphanage he was raised in, they raised him to do one good thing every day. And so every day he does something as simple as he goes and he takes the trash out for every, or he you know, takes everybody's trash out. He mows the lawn for all the old people in town, or you know, he finds something that somebody lost. Um, or he goes to another country and helps a bunch of girls who have been taken hostage. Hmm. And the entire town knows about Huck. They know what he can do, uh, but nobody really talks about it. 
Mm-hmm. They all have this agreement. You know, he does good things, so we're going to protect him. We're not going to tell the outside world. And then you have two people who are relatively new who have just learned the secret of Huck. And they, near the end of the book, they look at each other and say, how much money do you think we could get if we told everybody? And, you know, the next page, Huck's waking up and outside his door is the news like is the media just descending upon his house that damn media yep and the last page is uh huck looking outside his window just saying oh my gosh and that's where it leaves us so and like i said simple because the story's direct simple and that there's really not a lot of dialogue um they tell the story pretty well through the art and through very minimalistic um, words. I didn't want to say dialogue again, but, you know, kind of had to. Um, and really, there is a lot to like about this book. Uh, this is probably Millar at his best in in a long time he's going Mm -hmm. against i think a lot of his normal instincts and him writing a true blue character as far as this first issue really works i'm actually very impressed um rafael albuquerque who people probably would know best from american vampire is does a great job on art and it's very interesting to see his style outside of a horror comic Mm because i feel like in um in American Vampire, he emphasizes a lot of like the creepy stuff with very like sketchy, lots of lines, um, making things a little rough. And this just feels a little bit more put together. And um, you know, obviously, I'm not, I'm not trying to bash him for one way or the other. He does a good job of adapting his style to the story, mm-hmm. and it's it's just really good art, really beautiful. Uh, all in all, this is you know an enjoyable book. I have not heard anybody talk bad about it and i don't think there's really a lot bad to say about it i don't you know it being malar i don't know what we're gonna get i don't know how long it's supposed to go probably four to six issues he's mostly been doing four issue increments yeah it'll be great uh when we announce next week the movie deal i think they already that, did yeah probably no i really uh, think they already did i yeah i, I think he even or they announced it, and then he's already been like talking about how he thinks that like Channing Tatum should play Huck. I could guess I could kind of see that. Um, oh God, I just hate how Man of Steel traumatized me so much. I created Huck by Mark Millar. Now you and I have been pretty staunch defenders of Man of Steel. We are the defenders. Uh, yeah, Marvel, please don't sue us, but we totally are. Um, and I just, yeah, anyway, Huck number one on its own stands really, really well. Um, and I I am looking forward to reading issue number two to seeing what happens in the future with this book, hoping that it can kind of stay on the track that it's on and not fall into a lot of Millar isms where, you know, Huck eventually starts doing bad things because, you know, why not it'd be funny or like you know he he meets somebody next issue who likes to cuss a lot and say a lot of bad things and that was probably gonna happen i know but anyway you, do what you can you do what you can david you just you do it i'm you know i'm trying i'm just trying man you just gotta hold in there man hold tight 
And look, here's also another thing. People who think that Superman has never killed before in the comics is stupid. He totally I mean, has. I don't know how many people, like, if you know comics well enough, you know that Superman, in one version of his continuity or another, has killed he's for even, whatever he's, reason. He's even killed Zod before yeah. in the comics. But, I mean, it could be that people, like, casual fans or just people that know of, like, that might not read a comic book but, like, would totally go see a Superman movie have, like, a very sort of Christopher Reeves... And I think a lot of people do have a Christopher Reeves uh, view of Superman in their mind. So seeing this Superman do something like that, see just the horrible destruction and all of that, and they don't care that it's the quote-unquote more realistic version of, of the character. It's just like that's that doesn't that's not Superman. And yeah. I'm like, Whatever. Whatever. But you know, not. Not not to repeat a lot of things that we have said before. Oh, yeah, I forgot he killed the Joker in the Injustice universe. Um, oh, yeah, he did. No. He did kill Doomsday. Uh, anyway. He did kill Joker after he... Oh, no, he killed Doomsday, but it actually ended up being Lois. And then he killed the Joker, right. Right, right, right. Right. Well, that that's an injustice, but he has killed Doomsday in the comics, and he has killed Zod in the comics way back in the day. Way back in the day. No, 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 no. But, okay, gotten way off track. Sorry, I shouldn't have Googled that thing because it just set me off on a whole what's-you-have-it. Uh, Huck is a book. It's enjoyable. Everybody's liking it. So, you know, if you're not a single-issue person, if, if you like, you know, more to wait for trades, this will probably definitely be a trade that I might one day recommend, but we shall see. We shall see. Nick, anything else you're wanting to talk about? You're wanting to expose oh, to the world? Man. Hopefully not uh, yourself. So, again, because you have not bothered to catch up, uh, I do want to briefly touch on Invincible in the most vaguest way, worthest way possible. Um, so, as you might know, they're currently involved in a storyline called Reboot? Question mark. Hmm. It's a three-parter. Um, without going into detail about Mark's uh, Grayson's current circumstances, um, he's far and away in a different place than he was in the first few issues of the series. Um, but circumstances led him to be to re-inhabit his younger self, uh, basically in like one of the first pages of the book where he's like taking a dump and like realizes something I don't remember oh no he realized something when he kind of like realizes that he's traveled back in time and inhabited his old his old body but um he's now being faced with things that I know you know like Omni-Man betraying everyone killing the Guardians of the Globe stuff like that mm-hmm. um so now he's confronted with the reality that he has a chance to stop this and spoiler alert goes about stopping it so it's only two or three issues so far uh I don't know where he's going to go with this in one issue, like how this is going to tie back into where the book's been at two issues prior. Mm-hmm. But first off, it was interesting because he basically the scene, you know, uh, the original scene was Omni-Man, I think, telling Mark that like, yeah, by the way, like none of this is true and uh, I'm totally going to conquer the world. This yeah. starts with um, Mark uh, interrupting Omni-Man before he has a chance to do anything. And going, listen, pops. Like I totally know how this shit's gonna go down. 
and I really need you to be cool and like not fight me in which his dad does fight him but because Mark was able to divert him he was able to prevent things he was able to warn the guardians of the globe who come to his aid and ultimately are able to subdue his father and there's this great scene because as you get deeper into the book and I will say this you know his father ends up coming around, ends up revealing that, like, I did all that because I didn't think there was any other way, that I didn't see myself standing up against the Viltrumite Empire and, and all this stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. They kind of conquered most of the galaxy. Yeah, you know, like, you know, in his head, like, he was, just, you know, so indoctrinated that the fact of, like, accepting that he was willing to believe something else was just, he just couldn't accept that at the time. And it had to do such horrible things before he was able to be turned around. So he's like, he's basically locked up underneath the Pentagon. Um, and Mark comes to him a- after all the, the dust settles and he just, his dad just like pours his heart out. Just like, thank you so much for stopping me. Like, I get it. Like, you're right. Like I, I did have these feelings of guilt. Like I oh, do it's... love you. Like I didn't know how to process this. It's a trap. And, and another thing I thought was, Oh, this could totally be a trap. Like how <laughs> convenient would that be? Um, one one thing that one person said uh, in like a previous letters page was that um, there was a scene earlier in the series, I want to say before issue number 50, where Mark travels to a future timeline that I think Immortal Man is ruling in um, as like the regent for Mark, who is like the ultimate ruler. I, I don't remember if Mark actually was the ruler. And he says something to young Mark like this is basically all your fault um and they mentioned that in the letter and kirkman kind of like alluded to the fact that like oh it's really cool when people pick up on things that we seeded so long ago ago, yeah so i'm curious that this plays into that but that's basically it the art is consistently great from ryan otley um and the book's been coming out on a much more regular basis so hopefully we'll have to wait a month to find out the revelation or the outcome of reboot oh, you, you didn't you didn't hear mark or uh, robert kirkman got hit by a bus all his work is never to be finished oh no yep i'm sure they'll just clone him so they can keep walking dead going for forever i mean they're, they're working on it for george r, r. martin like george r, <laughs> r. martin's gonna be the first successful head in a jar from futurama <laughs> <laughs> we can't risk him to die we must change the circumstances of his death of his death, yes. Well, very cool. It's a series that I really, I do want to get cut up on. I don't have the time that I had in college. Oh, like the excuse. Back when I like binged all of Walking Dead. But uh, Walking Dead start when we were in college. No, it started way before. Six seasons. Oh, no, no, God. I'm talking about the, I'm talking about the comic. Oh, okay, yeah, sure, the comic. Oh, yeah, because. Dude, I'm totally caught up with what you're saying. Are you? Are you finally? You finally? Yeah, caught up? yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep going. Something about college binging, you know, drugs, okay. lots uh, of crazy. Yes, stuff. This, this is exactly what I'm talking about. This is an after-school special here, kids. No, I'm just saying I don't have the the time that I once did to just be like, I'm gonna read 18 issues of this comic right now, like while I'm sitting on my bed in my underwear, which I could maybe do this weekend. I don't know. I don't know. The world is what the world is. Yeah, but I could also play video games. You could. So what you're saying is is that you're going to choose an activity that as far as 
what your grandparents might deem worthwhile endeavors, you're going to choose something that's equal to binge reading a comic book. Nah, you know what I'm probably going to do? I'm probably going to finally finish putting away all of these comics that are currently on our guest bed that I have put in uh, bags and boards. Well, I put in bags with boards, but I have not put into the long boxes yet. Slash, I also need a new long box. Slash, I have too many single issues. Hashtag David Problems. And you heard it here fo- uh, first, folks. David says that he is going to organize his comic book, so we will check in next week and see if that is what he actually did with his weekend. And if it's not, if he did not accomplish his task, well, I'm also, I will I'm also come going up to, with some horrible thing that David has to do I'm to also make going up to, for it. I'm also going to dinner on Saturday, and I might go to Richmond on uh, Sunday to maybe get new iPhone goodness. David, no one goes to Richmond for anything. Dude, there's no uh, Apple store. I almost said iStore. There's no Apple store for like 25 miles around here. So Richmond is roughly 25 miles from you? Well, the closest one that is like on the outskirts of Richmond is like 25 miles. Yeah, you live in the sticks. Um, more or less. Actually, I think it's farther than that. I don't really pay attention. I, you know, I just nap. I, I sleep while I yeah, drive. I, yeah, I nap on the way there. It's pretty much a straight shot. I just have Topanga in the back seat, and she barks if I have to straighten out. <laughs> Good Topanga. She's very well trained for roading. Uh, I don't even know what that means. Dog. Yeah, road trip dog. Um, road trip dog. This dog. Uh, wow. Yeah, so David, any other comic books you want to uh, you discuss, know, I read, disseminate, I read, dissect? I read some other things that were not number ones this week. I read Tokyo Ghosts, number three came out, and Jughead, number two. Uh, it seems like Jughead is developing a formula where normal thing happens, Jughead has really crazy elaborate fantasy for several pages, then normal things resume, which is okay, I guess, for a couple issues. But I don't know how that works in the long term. It can for... get old real fast. But we also are talking about characters that have been published as consistently, if not more so, than Superman and Batman. It's true. And for it, as it, long you know, as they have. It is Chip Zdarsky, so there is like enjoyable stuff in mm-hmm. it. Um, but we'll see. I'm not super loving Erica Henderson's drawing of faces. I don't know mm-hmm. if anyone else has issues with her face drawings, but they're I've, not, they're not I've my favorite. I've read criticism. Okay. Uh, and Tokyo Ghost is, you know, it's uh, Remender and... Uh, Sean Murphy. Sean Murphy. Yeah, I was trying to think. I always, whenever I want to say Sean Murphy, I always think of of Jock, but... Jock. Jock. Um, anyway, that's Jacques that's been stuff. pretty good. It's pretty on the nose as far as the message that Remender is trying to get out. But mm-hmm. I enjoyed this issue a lot more than um, I think one one and two so far. I like the story that they are a weaving. Yeah, are are a weaving. Any any other quick notes you want to throw out about comics? Comics are cool. Stay cool. in school. Well, I mean, you know, if it's if school's like the thing for you, if you can like, you know, make money like selling drugs maybe maybe that's a better option i don't know maybe maybe wow we are not advocating that at all you were supposed to stand on the other side of that nick 
Oh, uh... That's, mm, wow. Anyway, we are not advocating selling drugs at all. That's bad. Don't do it, kids. Listen, guys. Drugs are bad. You know what else Comics is bad? are good. You know what else is bad? A lot of things that Cyclops has done in his history. Yes. I thought this would be fun just because I kind of looked at it and I was like, let's, even though I love, 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 love Cyclops, let's rag on him for all a right. bit. Well, let's see. Do I have any sound clip to uh, introduce us here? Is it really surprising that the most powerful man in the world should be a figure of controversy? Now, Cyclops is not at all the most powerful man in the world. Maybe not powerful in terms of uh, power. That was a terrible sentence. But he certainly has a lot of influence. Yeah, and he's done a lot of very questionable things. Yes. Such as letting the Avengers pretty much kill his son. All right, so this was actually an honorable mention. Right. Because for some just, reason, whenever they well, have a top gonna... so-and-so number list, they always have to add in like two or three more that are like... I was just going to go through them super quickly, the honorable mentions, before talking about... The, you know, the main, the, the main, main awfulness. Yeah. Also, having Eddie kill some high Hellfire Club members. Uh, let's get let's get into the good stuff. Betrayed Emma Frost. Well, I mean, who hasn't betrayed Emma Frost at this point? I do it like every Tuesday. And uh, let's see. Next page is loading as we try to find out the top five worst things Cyclops has ever done. Ah, number five is that he killed Professor X. All right, so first off, the last two, the last time I mentioned about Emma Frost and this one are both cases where Cyclops was under heavy influence from the Phoenix Force and was becoming more and more dickish by every time he got a power upgrade from someone else losing the Phoenix Force. So it was more like he was a guy on like a massive drug trip. Now, we could talk all day until we're blue in the face about like, who has like the right of responsibility in the situation of say a drug addict but i'm just saying like most drug addicts aren't possessed by like the like universal force of creation just throwing that out there um so yeah cyclops killed professor x in a fit of phoenix induced rage and it was not a well written scene it's sad it definitely positioned the character and for a lot of interesting stories that were never fully realized. Um, but really all it did was make me hate most of the other X-Men who always just kind of fell back on this we hate you, you suck argument because he killed Professor X, everyone's mentor, even though like they would either say still follow Wolverine, still follow other characters that have made like questionable uh, situations in the past. But because he killed Charles Xavier, our mentor, while possessed, you know, you we know, cannot forgive him. You know what we could also call this segment? What? Uh, Nick attempts to justify the horrible things that Cyclops has done. All right, so that's number one. Let's move on to the next All right, one. number four. So that was number five. It was number one. Number four is that he cheated on Jean Grey with Emma Frost. This was pretty dickish. This All right. Ha this happened First during the off, David. This happened Let, during the Grant Morrison run. It did. Let me walk you through why it makes sense and okay. why it's okay. Wow, First you're off. actually going to justify this. <laughs> First off, uh, prior to the storyline, Cyclops had been possessed. This is a theme. 
by Apocalypse. So Okay, or, so let's just brush all of his decisions off so on somebody else. That's fine. Now, wait, David. He was possessed by Apocalypse and left him with a lot. For a guy that was so tightly wound and in control, it left him with a lot of insecure and dirty thoughts. And as his wife was starting to kind of ascend to like a higher plane of astral intelligence, for whatever you want to call it, uh, he was feeling kind of left out and like he had no one to turn to. And so he turned to Emma Frost for therapy, which I realize might not be the smartest move. But ultimately what they did was just done on the psychic plane. They never actually no. did it physically. Uh, I mean, no, like they were really doing it physically. Cheating. She walked in on them. Having psychic sex. Okay. That, no. No, no, no. With Emma Whoa. Whoa. Okay, David, I am not saying this happens. Let's just say Bob. Let's just say to fall asleep and have a dream about Okay um, Nick, Nick, uh, Nick, 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 Nick. You're just, talking about dreams. You're talking about but we're talking about characters that can connect with each other in ways that aren't necessarily physical. This isn't just like you having a dream about someone. This is you having a dream about someone who can then link their mind with yours, and you can act this out in your head, which is just as bad as you physically doing it, because what's stopping you then, in that case, from physically doing it? All right, listen, Dave. I don't think you're quite hearing what I'm saying. Cyclops is not in the wrong here. Jean Grey should not have shielded the X-Men ship, although so many years ago being bombarded by cosmic rays and ultimately coming to be possessed by the phoenix or maybe prevent her from having normal human attachments and thus not pushing cyclops away or maybe really, cyclops i'm just i'm just victim blaming here maybe, like maybe. flat out i am victim blaming is all Jean gray's fault <laughs> seriously yeah like no because cyclops like shouldn't have gone and talked to charles xavier like he shouldn't have talked to his mentor or his friends or people that he like really trusts no he should go to emma frost with all of this no because he, listen they they like they get the old scott no one else can accept a scott that is trying to explore this dirty underbelly of did, his subconsciousness did scott, did scott ever go talk to him about it no he, no because he was afraid have you ever been afraid to tell the people you care that and doesn't love that doesn't something? that doesn't justify him cheating on gene gray yeah number three possessed by apocalypse i'm just saying i'm glad that you understand that you're wrong and i'm right <laughs> not at all and like this might not be boding well for like my future marriage prospects but all like, right i'm just number saying, three cyclops tried to leave like, his wife emma frost like they're so happy together no and then gene gray walks in and ruins it like what the hell is with that wow i kind of want to don't go through the rest of this list with you <laughs> All right. I hope everyone knows that I am, of course, joking. But let's I don't, see even, I I don't know if you are. Three. He tried to leave his wife and newborn child to lead the X Men. We also have news to talk about, so don't spend like half an hour on each of these points trying to justify him. No guarantees. So, first thing to emphasize is that the wife in question is not actually Jean Grey. It is Madeline Pryor, who, by the way, is a clone of Jean Grey. Don't worry about it. And yes, you can blame Cyclops for this, but if we can really take a step back and look at the editorial meddling of the time, the editorial regime at the time wanted to bring Jean Grey back and thought that by bringing her back, they could then reunite the original X-Men, which would ultimately become the, the original X-Factor series. But at the time, Cyclops, and I believe Chris Claremont's intent was to keep Cyclops retired 
happily married with Madeline Pryor and kind of show that these characters can grow up and move on. Sounds great, right? Well, not when other editors want to bring the team, the band back together. And how can you do that when Scott is already married to someone who also looks strikingly like Madeline, like Jean Grey? Uh, yeah, Jean Grey looks strikingly like Madeline Pryor. Hmm. Um, Funny how that happens. How that works. So basically they wrote in a scene where he he gets a call saying that Jean Grey is alive. Now, you're obviously happily married, David. Now imagine like you had a friend. Maybe you even had a crush on her because I think at this point like their love was never fully consummated. Though maybe it was during the Dark Phoenix saga. Either way, you had like someone that you were romantically involved with and you didn't end on... Oh, Basically they died. Um, while you were still in love with them and you moved on and you got married and you had a kid and it's all well and good but then you got a phone call out of the blue saying that person is not in fact dead would you wouldn't you at least have you know be concerned enough to like want to go see them like believe it with your own eyes because this is at a point in time where people weren't really like comic characters weren't coming back from the dead left and right you know what i'm saying so at the very least you'd want to go check on this person right well, but it's not just that he was like, oh, I'm going to go check on her. It's like, I'm straight up just going to leave you. No, he didn't do that, though. The, I mean, I'd have to flip the pages. I remember reading the original issue. Um, but basically, he says, like, I need to go see her. And um, and Madeline Pryor is, like, super upset. And just, like, just so you know, when you walk out that door, um, your son and I won't be here when you get back. Which is, like, a really hefty thing to say. Because he's not, like... Honey, I'm gonna like go be with this person. He's like, I need to go like see like, is this true? Like, is this for real? And it turns out like, yes, it was for real. And when he came home, Madeline and his son were not there. But don't worry about it. Madeline. Prior totally went crazy. Turned out that she found out that she was a clone of Jean Grey. Went insane. Became the Goblin Queen. Unleashed a horde of demons from hell on like New York City. And just like you know, shit got crazy. Number so. two <laughs> on the top five worst things Cyclops has ever done. Putting X-23 into his murder squad. X-23 is an efficient killer. Why not utilize that skill set in a team meant to safeguard mutant kind? Mm. Whereas before, her her murdering skills were used to benefit humanity. So I'm thinking win-win. X-23 came to the X-Men because she was trained her whole life to be a killer. And she wanted help dealing with that. So what does Cyclops do? He uses her killing skills by putting her on his murder squad. Sure. This was a bad decision. And without kind of reading the pages they linked here, I bet Wolverine's kind of like like not like fully getting on board with it. But he ultimately gets on board with it, brings her on. And while he does try to protect her throughout this run, like, like he still basically stands by as like she murders everyone in sight here's well here's also the super dick thing is yeah he, like he punches cyclops in the face and he says that laura is my responsibility you could have come to me first summers he's not saying like totally like it's entirely off the table it is that more like you didn't come and talk to me you didn't respect me or like do you know show any trust you just went uh, you know behind my back and were a total dick yeah, but I mean, like, one punch in the face, as justified as it might be, like, that, I'm not saying that Cyclops was wrong for what he did, but it still, like, super implicates Wolverine, and really makes a lot of the arguments people, in-universe, a lot of arguments that people have had against Cyclops, like, I don't, I think straw man might be the right term, they just, 
Like, they just don't stack up, especially when so many other people are implicit or, like, willingly involve themselves in Cyclops' plots um, in a way that's just like, why are you friends and trusting them but not him? Um, but, number one. Number one, as we've already kind of mentioned before, is that leaving his wife and newborn son to go be with his return from the dead ex-girlfriend. Wait, then what was number three? Yeah, I don't think you really looked through these. Number three was that he like abandoned them to go lead the X-Men. He tried to leave them to go lead the X-Men. Anyway, so we've already kind of covered totally this. Missed. Try. Oh, totally missed it. So we already covered number one. Yeah, and, and I you're did a great still job defending incredibly him. wrong. Like you were really like grasping at straws with all of these hardcore. <laughs> anyway, this was not as fun as you had advertised. What? No, it, it is fun. It is fun. It's it's interesting. It's really deep diving into comic book lore and dissecting characters in a way that I, I personally find entertaining. I'd love to think that maybe our audience finds entertaining. And if they don't, please shoot us an email. Tell me to shut up. And I will for at least this particular segment of the show. Uh, and watch as David flails around, flails around and tries to figure it out for himself. What? Um, Oh, I wasn't going to try and defend Cyclops. I was just going to agree that Cyclops has done a lot of really shady things. He's a really, like, tightly wound guy. He like, is. He, he, doesn't, he, he doesn't know how to handle his emotions and bullshit and blah, blah, blah. To an extent, yeah, sure, I agree. But he's just a character that he gets a bad rap. And obviously, uh, as far as what, the, what he's been written to do, he's made a lot of questionable choices. But, like... In of himself, he's a guy that's kind of been willing to take the heat for a lot of things that other characters say they're willing to, and then ultimately always seem to get off the hook. Cyclops, like Wolverine, he does a lot of like the stuff that no one else should have to take care of, but then he kind of gets put on a pedestal for it. Whereas Cyclops goes and does it, and because he's not like fan favorite Wolverine, he gets like the shit taken out of him. So I mean, like that's the yeah. character that I can respect, good or bad, like. Like I like that ultimately, in, a, in narratively speaking, he can go out there, do the unfavorable stuff, get shit for it, but ultimately be a stronger character for it. Maybe not a better person, but definitely a stronger character. Nick, just accept that Cyclops is a terrible character. He's and an amazing character. Just move on. Uh, you know, I just got to visit though, because we've been we've been talking about this for a while, and we're like an hour into the show, and. Spider-Man and his amazing friends just stopped by and they were like, hey, I've got some news here for you. We should we should get talking about that because now they're tapping their feet and looking really edgy. Uh, let's say, you know, they're, they have stuff to do apparently. But we did not, I don't know if this came out last week, but Chris Pine um, posted a photo to Instagram of himself uh, with actor, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. So I'm not going to try. A guy. Uh, huh? A guy. A guy. Anyway, it is them um, on the set of Wonder Woman. And based on the style, it looks like they might actually be doing the World War II, um, you know. Saeed Tagmawi. Yeah, that's kind of where I was leaning towards, but I figured I'd let you mispronounce it and get oh. us in trouble. Um, anyway... Yeah, it is Chris Pine and that guy dressed in sort of World War II era garb. So it does look like there might be some weight to the rumors that this is taking place before present day, which I am all for. 
Um, definitely looks like Chris Pine is playing Steve Trevor. Mm-hmm. Or... Uh, Grandpa Trevor, maybe. I heard, yeah. I've heard. i heard another rumor that said that he might be playing two different characters. Hmm. Which is a weird rumor. Yeah. Also uh, unlikely, but... But there's... I feel like he's a character that if... If she's only going to, if she's going to be kind of like Captain America: The First Avenger, and only take pl- place in that time period for, say, one movie or even part of a movie, I find it hard that they would enlist Chris Pine for his star power only to kind of show up in that one movie and then have him be yeah. old in the future. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, but also on the subject of uh, his co-star Syed, he was asked who he is playing. And he said that he's playing a good superhero character, but the story is still a secret. I can't tell you any more about it. So the film might introduce another superhero. Hmm. Who that could be? Not sure yet. It'd be cool if we got an international hero um, kind of right off the bat with this world. But I'm very curious. I, I want to know more. about. I didn't, even, I didn't even know they were filming already. So... Hold on. I'm just I'm going with that. Okay, he's a French American actor, but he's I mean the name looks Middle Eastern. Um, uh, that's you know Parisian. Uh, or Persian. Or, uh, let's see here. Was born in Saint Saint Denis de Large family. His parents were Moroccan immigrants of Berber ancestry. I mean, I know Moroccan. I've heard the term Berber. I don't really know how it fits in together but he's uh, without kind of digging too deep I'm assuming that there's some like uh, Muslim like Middle Eastern type influence in there um, so assuming that he's playing a character with a similar descent I'm trying to think of a character you know, that you know, you know Morocco in. is in Africa right yeah I know but okay. I, but I, I actually worked with a guy that was from Morocco and he I'm not saying everyone in Morocco is Muslim I'm saying he was Muslim and mm-hmm. so I'm just kind of really kind of pulling at these strings here to see what I can connect. Uh, I'm just curious, okay, if it's a World War One or World War Two movie, what DC character, assuming that he's either sticking close to that kind of ancestry, or what are they trying to portray him as? Because obviously sometimes a lot of guys, or, or girls, um, who are, come from one kind of ethnicity uh, or cultural identity kind of get stuck playing other cultural identities. I'm trying to figure out who he could be. I don't know. And I literally have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. They've been they've kept a lot of this movie under wraps so far. Uh, even the fact that they went into production was under wraps. But I am very curious. I imagine um, probably with Batman v Superman, we'll get a teaser or some more news about that movie and, and everybody involved. Mm-hmm. And I am very much looking forward to it. Yeesh. In other news, Nick? Uh, Vertigo announces a new book called The Dark and Bloody, which gets props for a pretty cool title. Yes, and a pretty creepy-looking cover. Uh, It's written by Sean Eldridge with art from Scott... Godolewski. Godolewski, who's on... That's Copperhead, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. But... But what does that mean about Copperhead? Um, I mean, you know, they I don't I don't know. Copperhead's probably still going forward. I mean, this doesn't come out until February. He this so could, could have been, be balancing between the two of them. It, it could have been something that he was working on during the break. 
Um, yeah, I mean, is it does it say it's a ongoing or oh the ongoing series tells the story of a military veteran who runs moonshine to make ends meet that gets pulled into something darker when supernatural forces come calling to collect a debt. It's a cool concept. I'm actually kind of curious about this. Well, if it has art by Scott Godaleski, then I kind of have to check it out because me like you, the Scott Godaleski. You're you're bound by law. I am. It's just it's a thing. Hmm. It's, it's a law thing. Yeah, but you know this is a return for Vertigo back to back when they used to be a primarily horror publisher. Um, a lot is still not known about the book, but I imagine we'll start seeing solicitations pretty soon, getting previews. Um, he said, and uh, Godaleski said that the dark and bloody is right in my wheelhouse artistically. It's exciting to be working in the horror genre again, and I think readers will really dig what we're doing. I didn't even know that he had done horror comics in the past. Uh, I'm just going to do a quick little googly googly goo. Googly googly goo. Googly goog and see what he has worked on. He doesn't appear to have a Wikipedia page, so that's, you know, a thing. Um... Copperhead, number nine, pages for sale. He oh, draws a pretty neat, like, bizarro, actually. I'm a fan of that. So, yeah, I don't know. He's done comics in the past, uh, apparently. In the <laughs> he's home. done. He's, he's designed comics that's, in the past. That's all I got. I, he apparently did some, like, Dracula book at some point. Uh, oh, he did a Punisher? That's pretty cool. He did, like, a cover, at least, for the Punisher. He's got some cool Star Wars prints that he was... Oh, this is back in May. I am um, a Jedi like my father before me. And there was one with Boba Fett. He's no good to me dead. Oh, was he on Rat Queens? I don't think so. Art no, that cover? wasn't the guy on Rat Queens. Uh, art and cover by Scott Kowalewski and Ron Riley. What? Are you sure he was never on Rat Queens? Unless he did just like a brief, like a, a segment or something. He wasn't the main artist. Look, man, you're not the main artist. I'm uh, not the main artist. I think he's been pretty committed to Copperhead since the beginning. And just, I mean, I like the finished art on Copperhead, but I'm looking at some of these black and white pencils and it looks even better in yeah. black and white. Not to knock the colorist, but dang. <laughs> Not to totally like hate on this guy, but but Nick Likey. Oh man, that's creepy. Don't what? never talk like that again. I like it. Oh, he's got a battering brass knuckles. Ooh, that's pretty rad. <laughs> he said, "My roommate got this for me one year. I'm not sure what he thought I'd do with it." <laughs> yeah, it's pretty useless in a lot of ways. But moving back onto the dark and bloody train, uh, I guess there's not a whole lot else to say about it. It debuts February 16, 2016. Mm -hmm. uh, that is 2 just 16 16 for you folks. Just in time for Valentine's Day, slightly <laughs> just, after. So it's the kind of book you want to get for your significant other. Get on that. Um, beyond that, Archie launches a standalone comics app. David, yeah. take it away. All right. So this was pretty interesting. Um, when I first heard this story, I was like, does Archie have enough to to launch a standalone comic app? And then I realized that they have been in the business for years and years and years. Um, sorry, just kind of quickly scanning through the article, which I 
put on the show notes a couple days ago. Uh, really, it's just a way for them to offer, you know, their their books as well as digital only things. This is sort of like what we're seeing with um, with like TV networks now, where you know they were like they were all in one place, but we were like, no, we just want to get our stuff when we want it. And then Netflix popped up, and it's like this is super great. But then uh, you had like CBS is now like, well, we'll do our own thing. HBO has their own app. Like you're seeing a lot of channels now trying to push their own thing. And now you're seeing a lot of publishers. I think it makes more sense in the comic world uh, for them to do this. Mm -hmm. But that's essentially what we have here. Archie Comics is releasing, um, you know, they're going to release a bunch of digital only content that you're going to be able to get right through there, which is which is pretty cool if you are a fan of that. It seems like they're focusing a lot on their, you know, chilling adventures of Sabrina um, and, uh, and other stuff like that. I can't tell. I imagine they will have um, a lot of their classic stuff. But mm-hmm. you know, if you're if you're into the Archie, what they're doing with the new stuff, what they're doing, what they've been doing all all their lives, then go get the Archie app. Now, Nick, we come to a major story here, <gasps> one that we have to decide how much are we going to tell. Well, let's ruin it for everyone that hasn't already had it ruined. All right. Well, here here's what we're gonna say real quick: that there is a major death coming in Squadron Supreme number one over at Marvel Comics. If you don't want to know, if you haven't heard yet, skip ahead. Uh, let's see. Let me let me just look at the time marker here. Skip ahead five minutes. We'll try to keep our discussion to five minutes. So here we go. Right now, I'm going to say that they are killing Namor in Squadron Supreme number one. Oh my god, Namor. Who's Namor, you say? Oh, come on, you guys. You know Namor. Marvel's Aquaman. Wait, didn't Namor come first? Oh, It yes, kind of happened all around the same time. I mean, like, come on, fish people, whatever. I mean, um, yeah, Namor, who's been around longer than Marvel Comics. That is true. He debuted during Timely Comics. Um, Namor, Namor. Namor is Aquaman if Aquaman was a jerk. Aquaman is Namor if uh, Aquaman was not a jerk. If Namor was not a jerk. Whatever. Um, they're both uh, uh, rulers, or sometimes rulers, mostly rulers of Atlantis. Uh, at least with Namor, he actually originally came from a people called the Submariners. They weren't called Atlanteans. Mm-hmm. And at some point, Marvel just said it would probably be easier just to say just Atlantis. Atlantis. So... That's what he was kind of going by for a little while. Um, and so in recent Marvel his, uh, events, um, he he did something bad, but some might deem necessary. Like he's, most of the things Cyclops has done. Well, okay, here's um, the thing. Here's, here's, I think, a big difference. Where Namor just, like, does it and he's like, screw it, I'm just going to do it because this is, like the right thing to do objectively where Cyclops will do it and then like complain about having to do it forever. Whoa. Cyclops does not complain. People complain about and towards and for Cyclops, but I get your point. Namor is fairly unashamed about most things he does. And if he has regrets, he's not going to kind of 
brood over them. He's also, um, according to Scott, the greatest X-Men. <laughs> uh, he's, I guess, like well, one of the oldest mutants, I suppose. Yeah, how long um, has he been a mutant, by the way? Well, I don't remember where it was made an official thing. Um, obviously, when he debuted, he wasn't a mutant. And what makes him a mutant is the fact that he can fly. It's like the little wingies on his on his ankles are uh, like I'm not even trying signifier. to pretend I know what's going on. Um but like at some point and I'm assuming decades ago they revealed oh Namor is in fact a mutant. But it really wasn't until I want to say Matt Fraction was on X-Men that he got Namor involved in X-Men business for a brief time. Which is a pretty cool change up of things. Um but so basically, in Hickman's Avengers run, well, then in Avengers versus X Men, a phoenix possessed Namor uh, attacked Wakanda and flooded it, uh, and which basically started a not so cold war between Wakanda and Atlantis, and they both basically did shit to each other that no one should be proud of, uh, and then it ultimately, uh, well, not ultimately, but it got to a point where like, was it Namor? Yeah, Namor during the Infinity Event basically told Thanos' forces or lied to Thanos' forces about where um, one of the where something was or someone was um, and basically sent them to Wakanda and had them attack it. Jeez, um, a dick. Um, and then also um, while the Illuminati was trying to stop the incursions they were basically fighting an alternate version of the Justice League called the Great Society and it basically came down to like like we're running out of time we like we have this like we made this bomb like if we made it like we have to use it but no one's willing to pull the trigger like Mr. Fantastic Tony Stark like no one Namor freaking picks it up triggers it blows up the great society's earth and it's just like it had to be done you know either they were either we were going to die or they were going to die and they probably would have gotten to us if we gave them the chance um, so obviously everyone becomes kind of like horrified and like basically starts like jumping down his throat. Black Panther is just like, this is just like one more reason I want to kill you. Um, and it's been a kind of a twisty winding road. So for those that don't know, uh, to make a long, long story short, this new squadron Supreme book that's coming out as part of all new, all different Marvel is, is actually kind of an interesting concept. It's a team of various Squadron Supreme related characters, but made up from made up from alternate Earths that have been destroyed. So you have a Nighthawk who came from the Supreme Power Universe. You have the Hyperion who's been running around uh, Hickman's uh, Avengers comics. You have uh, Doctor Spectrum. I feel like she goes by a different name, but you have someone who is actually on the Great Society team from that particular thing. And so. A big point of this book is that the, this is a team of people that like have watched them have watched their worlds die. Uh, we have totally their, gone over five minutes on this discussion, by the way. Uh, it's fine. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. They've watched their worlds die. They're unwilling to let this happen again, so they're willing to take extra measures in order to prevent that. And for whatever reason, I think in part for Marvel to kind of like trump up um, like their status and all that. They kind of need to, to really make a name for themselves. And I guess this is going to involve killing Namor. Yes. Now, who's going to do it? We don't know. Probably not the Black Panther. Though no. he would really like to. Well, he already kind of did it in Hickman's run. He, like, did this whole thing where, like, 
there was a, an incursion happening, and uh, it was like right down to the last second, and he basically was on some floating platform with Namor uh, to like detonate a bomb, and then he ended up stabbing Namor and pushing him off and leaving him on the planet to get blown up, except he ended up being rescued at the last second by some bad guys. But I digress. Namor. So Black Panther's technically had his his vengeance on Namor. Mm-hmm. I mean, who hasn't? I have it like every week. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, as, as far as comic deaths go, I mean, who's to say how long it lasts? Or if it's not kind of like Kyle Rayner being announced as dying in Omega Men, only to find out that it was a ruse. So maybe in this case, it was a ruse as well. Well, we'll it see. It will be a ruse. Which this reminds me, is WolverineStillDead.com? Uh, yes, Wolverine is still dead. He has been dead for 57 weeks. Wow. Oh, over a year. Yeah. I can't believe it's been a year. It has been a year. I feel like it was just yesterday that Death of Wolverine was coming out. I know. Dude. Though, I mean... Why has a year passed since that book happened? Though, I mean, in January, we are getting, um, Old Man Logan, so... So, a Wolverine's running around, but I just mean, like, it's been a year since Death of Wolverine, and, like, think of everything that's happened in a year. Think about how much more could have happened in a year if we weren't so engulfed in comic books. Eh, I don't have time to think about that. Me neither. Uh, some Okay, these stories are kind of funny uh, and potentially interesting and maybe even horrifying to some people. We can kind of just link them together. They're pretty sure. much all... They're, they're all part of the same discussion. Yeah. So, Frank Miller, the <laughs> imitable Frank Miller, uh, who's currently, quote-unquote, co-writing... Uh, Dark Knight 3, The Master Race. It's funny, if you, like, listen to discussions on that, apparently it was more like Brian Azzarello would hang out with Frank Miller, get all of his ideas, and then go write it himself. Yeah, it's been kind of, it's been, like, back and forth where, like, they, like, really kind of dug in deep and co-wrote it together, and other accounts where it was like, this is, like, all Brian's show, like, this had nothing Mm -hmm. to do with me. Um, More or less. Um, So it's, like, hard to kind of pinpoint where the truth lies, probably somewhere in the middle. Um, but apparently this has galvanized Frank Miller to uh, go solo again um, and really um, do some interesting stuff. To start, he wants to write a Nancy Drew or a Nancy Drew-like series, except with Carrie Kelly, the DKR Robin. Yes, uh, in the lead. And uh, oh, and, and and these. Like and when I say Nancy Drew, like I mean that these are books geared towards children. Now, written yeah. by Frank Miller. Now, is this within the Dark Knight universe that he has created? Because I really don't see like Carrie Kelly and the mutants like being you know really family friendly, <laughs> or like Carrie Kelly and the disappearance of the you know all the drugs where she has to go, like, find all the drugs and beat up all the drug lords who are attempting to, like, gun down cops in the street. I'm trying to think of other great Carrie Kelly and Who stole titles. the drugs? A new Carrie Kelly mystery novel. Uh, yeah, that that's what's just kind of funny. Cause Carrie Kelly the kind of and the that, Slice and Dice. Uh, it's, these, it's these things that's, like, he's probably been discussing with DC, and he's definitely kind of, like, I, maybe taking the temperature of the world on it, but ultimately, like, nothing concrete has actually been... Like, there's nothing solidified. Gary Kelly and what the hell happened to the 80s? <laughs> um, um, yeah, there's, there's, 
yeah, it, it's just a very, I mean, I will say it is an interesting idea. I don't know if it's a great idea, but it's an interesting idea. Yeah, it sounds almost so ridiculous. Like, who doesn't want to read a children's book written by Frank Miller? Like, what could possibly go wrong? Absolutely I mean, absolutely nothing. I I would like to read it just to be like, man, I didn't know you were going to try to preach such heavy right wing propaganda to small children, but you did. Here Dave's you go. Got to start somewhere. I'm telling you. Um. Yeah, I remember I was reading some comments earlier about uh, the second part of this news, which is that, uh, well, as, as actually relating what you were saying earlier, where it, how Brian Azzarello really maybe had more of a hand in writing than Frank Miller did. Maybe it wasn't really so much of a co-writing operation. Uh, and just basically it was someone saying like a DC executive calling Brian Azzarello and being like, uh, we asked Frank Miller to write this and it's mostly pictures of swastika and hate speech. Could you uh, fix this for us? <laughs> Can you polish this for us for like, a little yeah. bit? You know, punch it up a little, maybe get like a joke or two in there, uh, and then we'll take it off to press. And then there's the sanitized version, which is, uh, Dan Didio wanted me to make a Dark Knight 3, except they said the book had to come out on time, so I guess I had to get a co-writer. Yep. Well, but uh, now... But Frank Azzarello and, and Miller are uh, friends, so I guess it's yeah, been yeah. a pretty amicable collaboration. Yep. Now, Frank oh. Miller, though, doesn't want to stop with Dark Knight 3. He wants to do a Dark Knight 4. He can't stop. He won't stop. Nope. So, uh, one part, one comment I read that I thought was funny was that if if DK3 is basically the, the, really, the, the actual like spiritual follow-up to Dark Knight Returns, and then, like, Dark Knight 2, the, the Dark Knight Strikes Again, was kind of like the the drug-infused, like, psychedelic follow-up to DKR. Then, like, if they let Frank Miller off the hook and just, or off the leash and just, like, goes crazy on this fourth book, and it's just going to be, like, a, a basically Dark Knight Strikes Again all over again. I actually don't know where that, that original post was going, but uh, I think that would just be kind of funny. Like, 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 right now we're seeing a Miller who isn't drawing this book, He's co-writing it, so we're really reading a, a, an Azzarello and Andy Kubert uh, Batman story set in the Dark Knight universe, with, more or know, less. With story input from with with story input from Frank Miller. It's still technically it's got his name on it, so he's ultimately vouching for it uh, in his in his signature. Um, but then, like you take those guys away, just assuming that Frank Miller is going to draw this as well, it can only be bashing. So it's probably not coming out. It's also probably never going to come out, but we can all dream of what it could be someday. Now, Nick, when you dream, do you dream in Frank Miller art? Oh my god, dude! I don't think I'd ever wake up. Like, I, because, I don't think it would be you, possible. You'd be trapped in a nightmare of your own hell. I'm just thinking of like if I was trapped in like Dark Knight Returns Frank Miller art or like Daredevil art. I mean, like no, I'm it would like, be I'm like about, grimy and gritty, and I'd definitely Frank, feel dirty. I'm talking about like Dark Knight Strikes Again. But if I was trapped in like Dark Knight Strikes Again art. I would. I feel like I'd probably just have been like on a mushroom trip that never stopped. So this I is someone that's like never had any experience with mushrooms. Nope, obviously not. Or like I just wanted to remind myself of that page where Superman is getting like killed. Which one? The, from it, DKR. In uh, Strikes Again, he's like seen. getting like hit by lightning over and over or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Shazam does show up. 
It's like I read it. I feel like I read it so fast, and now I've like forgot all. Because you were like, oh, I just gotta get through this. I was just like, I just need to know that I know what I know about this book, but wait, what? I'm gonna black out most of it afterwards. Mm. No, it's like I actually like kind of like Strikes Again. Like tr- once, like you got used. Hey, to Frank kind of, like, Miller, we art. found that we found the guy. We found the one guy. You're welcome. What I said, we hey, I said, hey, Frank Miller, we found the guy. <laughs> the one guy. Like I didn't, I didn't like it, but I didn't dislike it. It's like the most acquired of taste that you could ever acquire. Uh, and that's really hard to know, like how much of it was intentional and how much of it was just like, like what the hell was he thinking? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it it was weird. So who knows what to say? I don't. It's really hard to say if either a Nancy Drew s Carrie Kelly uh, children's series or even a Fourth Dark Knight ever comes to fruition, uh, or uh, at least in the forms that Frank Miller might intend. I'm going to say no. Me too. Um, but, you know, if they do come out, uh, then, yeah, all the power to them. I wish that I had spent more time today trying to think of Carrie Kelly, Nancy Drew-esque titles. Because <laughs> I probably could have had some good ones. And I feel like trying to come up at the top of my head, I'm just way too much pressure on myself. David, stop putting so much pressure on yourself. Under pressure, Under looking pressure. down on me. Uh, you're welcome for that song. I can't um, sing anymore because we will get sued. Other than that, um, long story short, DC has announced some writer shakeups. They seem to do that every few months. Uh, Aquaman gets a new writer. Uh, new Suicide Squad, which really new Suicide Squad. New Suicide Squad. Um, new Suicide Squad and Teen Titans. I'll get, I forget who's taking over Teen Titans. Uh, Greg Pack. Greg Pack. All right. I like Greg Pack. I don't read yeah. a lot of his work, but I really think that this iteration of Teen Titans, both this volume and the previous volume, just need to be kind of scrapped. And that book needs to be rebuilt from ground zero because it's just like DC's, like, especially like they obviously don't want to like obviously mimic Marvel and love it or hate it. Marvel is creatively revitalizing themselves and energizing themselves and tapping into a market that caters to young adults and teenagers. I mean, if you're assuming that, uh, and and rightfully so, that teenagers hang out on social media, they hang out on, say, Tumblr or Twitter, all that. A a lot of the uh, Marvel books, especially a lot of, like, the more comedy-infused Marvel books, uh, like comedy dramas, dramedies, whatever, Mm -hmm. like, really tickle that itch that, that like young people now are looking for not I say young people like we're old um, and I feel like with a book like Teen Titans you're not making a book for the 40 and 50 year olds no matter how much they want the new Teen Titans from Marv Wolfman and George Perez to be like reborn in present day you're just not going to get it so making something that really hits the nerve of that audience makes sense and yet they're like totally overlooking it so like freaking get on that DC yeah yeah it's it's a real challenge, especially with Teen Titans, because it's a book that is supposed to be written to be like, hey, this is going to be accessible for the youth of today, so they have people to like look up to. But then you also have people who have been reading it since the 80s who were like, I want my Teen Titans, even though I'm an old person now, or like I'm, you know, like even though I'm like in my 40s or 50s, like I want my Teen Titans. It's like, well, man, you're kind of aged out of who they were for. Yeah, like you gotta let that go. You do. It's like if you want to read it for what it is, but you have to be able to adapt to the sensibilities of the time. And I know, like when uh, Kieran Gillen was doing Young Avengers with Jamie McKelvey, 
Um, there, I think someone wrote a letter in because there was like an opening scene where uh, uh, Kate Bishop Hawkeye uh, had a one night stand with Novar slash Marvel Boy. Not, not as that there was two people, there was it was a threesome, but that Novar right, is Marvel right. Boy. Uh, just to clarify, but that like they were kind of criticizing it for depicting, you know, basically adolescent sex. I guess is the best way, but not like in a child pornography way. But you know what I mean, like. The fact that adolescents do get engage, up in, sexual engage in sexual activities, you know, it's like the basically what Karen Gillan said, uh, just to get it out of the way, was like, you know, it's great to have books that are rated teen, but teenagers are not rated teen. So he was writing a book. You like that? I mean, I think I've, I think you've said it before on the show. Oh, maybe I have. I don't know. Um, but you know, and I think that's what like they need to approach. They need to make a book that aesthetically adheres to this sensibility while at the same time obviously not dumbing it down like the way you would like a Saturday morning cartoon mm-hmm. and that's all I got that is the word with purd and the word of that story is it's over man <laughs> I love purd I gotta I should capture a bunch of purd happily clips for oh the show. dude David please do and, and just and I know you you'll hate me for doing this but it's a scandal thing um, and it, it, it literally we laugh every time because for whatever reason the only time they or most of the time when they show a news clip of like someone like some news station responding to some scandal or whatever mm-hmm. it's purred happily the guy was I guess an actual um, like newscaster back in the day and then decided like uh, nope I'm good I'm gonna go do to you, here's some best of Purred Happily. It's 6.04 a.m. and I'm Purred Happily of Channel 4 Eyewitness News. And the story of this next dance is that it's called The Worm. <laughs> oh, Purred Happily. It's a question. Will that be enough to lift the curse? The thing about this first question is, I'd like to ask you about the Harvest Festival. Oh, Purred Happily. Just has such a great way of talking. <laughs> oh, my God. I love Purred Happily. That's like, because we, we would watch, like, all of Parks and Recreation before moving on to Scandal. So, mm-hmm. I mean, just, like, every time news came up, it was Purred Happily That's saying something ridiculous or the Purdverts or whatever. Oh, Purdverts. <laughs> such a great <laughs> name. Or, like, when he would say stuff like... For me, it's when the penis goes in. Okay. <laughs> That's when they're interviewing a porn star. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, I For go a female perspective stuff, on this scandal, we turn to a woman. I'm about to ask you a question right now, and that question is this. The lewd photo, just how big a deal is it? Wow, this... <laughs> okay, this... I guess this like website or this video I clicked on, they had to make it all funky so it wouldn't get caught up by uh here's another pretty happy clip there you have it a shockingly unshocking press conference in which a recently unemployed woman said nothing of importance i heard happily and i just realized i'm not holding my microphone (laughs) (laughs) oh Oh, purred happily so Uh, great But yeah, anyway, every time he comes on the screen in a scandal episode, like he's telling it straight. Like he's just like, this yeah, is a news he story. was he was a newscaster. Yeah, but it's like it's on scandal, which it's already a show that's hard enough to take seriously. Mm-hmm. But then the fact that it's coupled with like the only newscaster they could apparently find was Perd Happily was like, dude, no, look, he's been in like movies and stuff. I guess I haven't seen the movies he's been in. Yeah. 
Anyway, this brings us to our recommendations. The recommendations. David, what do you got for us? All right. So I totally, you know, I'm, I'm reading a couple of uh, graphic novels right now, but I haven't gotten through them, so I don't want to recommend them yet. Uh, which means that I am probably going to recommend Huck. <clears throat> yeah. I. What? Keep going. Okay, so look, as I mentioned earlier in the show, Huck, number one, was a really great read. I really enjoyed it. Um, Millar is trying to write the ultimate feel-good comic, and if this is the first issue is in any indication of how the rest of it's going to be, then I think he's going to succeed in doing a really good feel-good comic that is going to be very enjoyable. Everywhere you go, you're going to hear about how great Huck is. So just hop on that bandwagon, people. Get on it. Read it. Really, the Huck it, wagon. It'll stop it. it. It'll kind of be a book that you're going to you're going to read. You're going to enjoy the art because the art's really nice. The art looks really good. You're going to get through the book and you're just going to feel good. You know, the the book ends with oh man, stuff's happening, but it's not like super dramatic super sad it's like oh you you want to know what's going to happen to huck and you want just the best for him in this little town that he is in that has taken care of him that he is in return taken care of and we can all learn something from huck that we should all do at least one good thing a day nick what are you recommending david i am going to recommend have i ever recommended supreme power i don't know if you have David, I'm going to recommend Supreme Power by J. Michael Straczynski and mm. Gary Frank. So for those that know on this show, um, my favorite Spider-Man run of all time, the, and obviously I'm nostalgia um, engulf, nostalgia engulfing. I am nostalgia, nostalgia blind. engulfing myself um, because it was obviously like the first main Spider-Man series that I picked up as I was getting into comics. Um Straczynski is definitely can be a polarizing writer. I think for me, like I haven't really followed his more recent outputs. I, I think I don't want to say that he's hit a peak, um, but it just hasn't been the same quality that I enjoyed with books like his Amazing Spider-Man uh, and Supreme Power. So Supreme Power, as we were mentioning, the Squadron Supreme earlier, actually. So I can do obvious associations, just like David. Um, it is sort of the kind of the ultimate version of Squadron Supreme. By ultimate, I mean like the Marvel Ultimate Universe. It was him taking a concept that was well played out in the Mark Grunewald series and just about every iteration of Squadron Supreme and replaying it with uh, through Marvel's Max Line, their Max Line being their adult imprint, their HBO uh, line of comics, so to speak. Um where like you can show nudity, you can swear, da da da. But excuse me, ultimately tackle themes in as mature a way as possible, and it's good. And it basically involves, or it starts with, um, um, crap. Oh, Hyperion. Uh, I'm like blanking on his like human name. Mm -hmm. Um, but Hyperion, it starts with his rocket landing on Earth. He's about to be, or he does get taken in by farmers. Uh, except then the U.S. government shows up and takes them away, and he gets ra basically raised in a bunker, and he's trying to be like, 
and washed, and he eventually grows to adulthood. Um, and at the same time, like when his rocket was crashing, uh, there were pieces that like fell off, like almost like spores that fell off the rocket, and basically led to the rise of people with powers on Earth. Yes. Um, so, which is kind of a cool concept. So it's Smallville. Is that what happened on Smallville? That's partially like the meteors that were Krypton landed all over the town and people got powers from them. Uh, so I don't know what would have come first. Uh, this, I'm pulling up my first volume here. This, well, this says first printing 2010, which is totally after Smallville. But Yeah, um, I thought it matters. But uh, still. Um uh, and it just like it deals with like this version of Nighthawk. This version of Nighthawk is uh, a black man whose fa- whose parents were killed in a hate crime in I want to say Chicago, and so he grows to be a Batman esque like dark vigilante, uh, but mostly targets like evil white folk, you know. So certain characters like he really finds like certain social uh, cues or something to like imbue with them uh, and then kind of plays them out. The The Green Lantern guy, Dr. Spectrum, is like a, a military surgeon or something like that uh, and just like everyone basically everyone's a dick. Hmm. Um, you know, the, which is the ultimate way. Uh, but it's just, it's a good book. And if you want like really great Chris Solid art from like Gary Frank, you'll find that Supreme Power. The downside to this is that uh, at some point, I can't remember if it was after like two or three volumes. Um, jobs for high command. So maybe it was three volumes. They um, canceled the series and then relaunched it as a Marvel Knights title, but kind of mm. stripped away that you know mature branding that allowed them to get away with certain stuff. And I think creatively, J. Michael Strinsky just kind of like flatlined from there and it like died after a couple of issues and then the, the this particular universe just kind of slowly creatively died after a couple of miniseries from other creative teams hmm. uh including a oh, oh, uh ultimate universe crossover completely drawn by greg land you just you can't recover so it was your that. favorite thing ever so it was not though i did read the whole thing because i had marvel unlimited so why not um but yeah, supreme, supreme supreme power. Power. Well, very cool. It was good. That is going to do it for us. Here is a special sneak preview of next week's episode. We are probably going to talk about Jessica Jones, which comes out November twentieth, which is after we are recording this. Hopefully, also after I'm able to get the episode up, which I should be able to tomorrow. Yes. Yes, but uh, very much looking forward to watching a lot of that this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, that is going to do it for us. You can head over to our website, heckyeahcomics at gmail.com. You can also email us with any of your thoughts on anything that we have talked about or uh, or any recommendations that you think we should read to heckyeahcomics at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Heck yeah Comics. You can follow me on Twitter at DavLuz, that is D-A-V-L-U-Z. And you can find Nick uh, secretly learning to draw in the Greg Land style that he will one day share with the world with great pride. As always, if you enjoyed the show, then please tell your friends. And if you hated it, then please tell 
repel your enemies. Until next time, goodbye.